Hey everyone, welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today's episode is a special one. Today I get to talk to Sojo. Sojo, if you've never heard of him, has one of those introductions that it kind of sounds like it's made up. He's a rapper, he's a public speaker, he's a leader. He's a creative arts movie studio dude. He's a sneakerhead, and he's probably added a few other titles to his resume because I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. He's just that busy, that creative. We first met when we were sharing the stage at a summer camp in Panama City Beach, or PCB, baby, as it's known. We spent the next six years traveling around the country on tour with the Orange Team, which gave us a great chance to get insight into the way he thinks about goals. In one car ride from the airport, I remember clearly him breaking down his annual process for goal setting, and it fascinated me. This is going to be a really fun conversation where we cover what he's doing with the movie studio in Atlanta, what he's learning from mentors, how he changed the city he was born in, how he grew up with goal setting, which pair of shoes, because he's a sneakerhead, I mentioned, which pair would he leave if the apartment was on fire? There's one pair. It's a pair of Jordans. I'll give you a little spoiler alert. It's an amazing pair of Jordans. We have a really fun conversation, including what he thinks are the three greatest rappers of all time and the number one rapper to come out of Atlanta. The conversation's all over the place, but it all hinges on how do you figure out a goal? How do you lean into a goal? How do you finish your goals? It's going to be an awesome conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Joseph Sojourner, or as he's commonly called, Sojo. Today's episode is sponsored by MediShare. Have you guys ever had buyer's remorse? You know, that feeling of intense regret because the thing you thought you just had to have was only something you used once or twice. For me, it was the time I bought a really expensive road bike because I thought I was going to get into cycling. I proceeded to hang it on the wall of my garage and feel ashamed for six months. Well, I know some of you are experiencing buyer's remorse right now for something much more frustrating. You know what I'm talking about. It's the healthcare you rush to get during open enrollment last December. Well, I have some good news for you. You've probably heard me talking about our main sponsor for this podcast, MediShare, and these guys have the answer to healthcare buyer's remorse. Check this out. Members of MediShare save up to 50% or more per month on their healthcare costs. They say the typical family saves up to $500 per month. And here's the best part. You can become a member at any time. So that means it isn't too late to ditch your buyer's remorse and switch to a more affordable healthcare that will save you money and help you sleep better at night. If this is your first time you're hearing about MediShare, it is the best alternative to health insurance that allows you to share the burden of medical bills, offers access to 900,000 plus healthcare providers, and has a proven 25-year track record. Plus, in addition to saving hundreds per month as a member of MediShare, you will also have access to free telehealth and free telecounseling. You won't find that with any traditional health insurance provider. Guys, it only takes two minutes to see how much you could save. Go investigate that for yourself and your family at metashare.com slash John. That's metashare.com slash John. Remember, John doesn't have an H in it. So it's M-E-D-I, that's meta, share, S-H-A-R-E, dot com slash J-O-N. All right, Sojo, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a very good interviewer. I want to come right out and say that, but I promise three things. Number one, I'm not going to talk over you. Um, I read a bunch of one-star reviews on other podcasts and people hate that. So I'm going to use every bit of listening I've learned in counseling. 
uh, marriage counseling specifically, <laughs> because you don't have to learn how to listen when it's just you. Number two, yeah. if I can't find a natural transition to my next question, I'm just going to say like, hey, I have another question and there'll be no flow. And number three, I won't mention that you're a handsome, single, successful guy living in the greater Atlanta area and open to love because I don't want things to get awkward. The okay. last thing I want is is just people trying to find you. Wow. Wow. This is a great way to start. I don't think I've ever started a podcast <laughs> so great. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody starts the same way. Like, what are you up to? How's your year? Like, and because we're friends, I can start this way. I was supported. I was offended all in one. Yeah. <laughs> one right? opening. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a potpourri of emotions. So the thing we're going to talk about today is goals. we got a bunch of great goal questions, but I want to start our conversation with something you're not doing. You deleted all your posts from Instagram mm. and your bio just says loading new chapter dot, dot, dot. So what does that mean? Yeah, I get to the end of the year and it was one of those things that we all look back at 2020 and said, what did we learn? And the last four months of 2020, I just decided to just step away from social media altogether, period. Mm -hmm. And it was really just that personal journey of saying, who am I without social media? And I just thought it was a really great process. It started small, kind of built. And in the end, it was, hey, this year you found you found yourself in ways that, that really you never had before. And so, yeah, it was the last act, the rebellious act that happened at about 1143, uh, spontaneous but it just felt like the last thing I needed to do in 2020. And so it happened right at the end. Did you delete them individually or is there some sort of like death button you press on Instagram? that's like 10 layers deep. It was 1143 to like 1 a.m. <laughs> one by one, they make you uh, delete them. It's the worst. Ooh, that's like when they, the gym makes you come and sign a piece of paper that says you're a quitter. Like before you can cancel your <laughs> membership. It's like, just crazy though. Like, but, but like when you start doing it, it, you get like, there's like this moment where you get like five years back in your life and you're forgetting stuff. Who scrolls down on their own grid unless they're like narcissistic, you know? But, nobody's narcissistic. But I get down five years. I'm like, oh man, I forgot. So then I'm getting sappy. Now I'm texting people at 1 a.m. It's weird. These weird texts. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Was it painful at all? Did you ever think like, okay, I don't want to delete this. I'm going to, I can leave three. Like, what if I leave just like three of my best look inside? <laughs> That's what I always do. That's why I said, no, here's what you're going to start doing. You're going to start making excuses and then you're going to chicken out. And I said, nope, see this through, start over 2021. Here we are. And I think it's important to know, because I think there's people listening that have gone through similar situations. Like you've got 20, 30,000 followers. It's not that hmm. you don't have any followers. Like hmm. you have a, a pretty good core audience that you're not creating content for. And you have a great eye, like your Instagram stories. You have a visual personality where you go, mm. here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. Have you always thought, okay, I'm going to do some kind of reduction goals. Cause I would call this a reduction goal. Okay. If this thing's in my life, I don't want it in my life. How long are you going to do it for? Did you set mm -hmm. a time frame? Like walk me through it. Yeah. So it was really, yeah, practically speaking, I felt like I do love beauty. And so whether it's creativity, beauty, storytelling, that's what I felt like I had nailed on my grid and stories. But I felt like what I lacked was a little bit of the mess. And so I think like, you know me, John, like you'll sit, have coffee with me and get to see like the Joe that's confused, that doesn't quite know exactly what his next step is or like how to handle in, in these moments and these stages and these chapters. 
And so I felt like when people were looking at my grid, they only saw the highlights. And so, and it wasn't even intentional. This is just someone who every time I see beauty, I snap a picture and want to share it. So I'm not even trying to put on or anything. I'm just like, I literally love it that much. But I thought, you know what, if I had to start over, of course, I'm always going to pay homage to beauty. But at this time, I'm also going to be honest enough to be like, I need to be intentional to capture more of the honest process, mess, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so hopefully in the future, it really will be. They'll have a deeper, more authentic understanding of me and not just kind of like what catches my eye and what I really respect and like. Do you think that certain social media platforms are better for that than others? You know, would a podcast be a place where you could be more honest, where Instagram is like, it's visual, people expect the highlight, it tends to be highlight. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Hands down. I mean, hands down. And, and it's also partially what you follow. I mean, when I have my podcast list, it really is more authentic. Who I follow on Instagram, a long time ago, I decided to be very intentional as to who I was going to follow. And so a lot of who I follow is like culture shapers, creators, makers, uh, artisans, all that. So like when I open up my Instagram, my grid, I mean, I should say my timeline is just a bunch of, you know, it's got everything on it, but it, it is a lot of curators and content creators. Whereas podcasts, it's conversations. And so, yeah, podcasts will always be a space where it's very easy for me to just say, okay, let's talk about it. You know, beauty aside, let's get into it. Did you delete your the people you're following too? Did you unfollow everybody? No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Okay. I feel like that'd be a thing. You know, people call on my phone. You get to, yeah, people would be like, what, what did we do wrong? <laughs> right? You already know. And then they got that unfollow app. It's like, why we yeah. got that app? You bro, I, That bro. shouldn't exist. That why should just be this? called insecurity app. Thank you. Ruin your day app. I don't need to know who doesn't like me. I already think most people don't. I don't need an app that confirms it. I said, brother, you you 29. Delete that. You don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Yeah, you're not trying to go to the prom, dude. Like, pump the bricks. You (laughs) ain't asking for a prom, dude. You're a grown man. You're the director of your department. Why do you have that? (laughs) (laughs) You have a business card with raised letterhead. You know, like you have something embossed in your life. You should not have the unfollow app. Maybe they should say that on the app store. It should say, if you own a belt, please don't download this app. (laughs) (laughs) You have a belt. That's so good. Okay, you're not sharing stuff publicly. I'm assuming on Instagram, Twitter, like did you go scorched earth? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm starting to walk back into it now. So, yeah, now I'm beginning to kind of get back and walk back into it, determine my my boundaries and say, oh, hey, how much? Because it really was just like, hey, I never even was crazy. I never was even that irresponsible with social media as far as how much I use it. It really is. I check it in the morning, check it midday, check it in the evening. It was more just what do you want to say and how do you want to say it? And so it really was that. So So you're going back, going back. I'm going back. I'll be back. I've gotten a lot of DMs. Yeah, I bet you do. Right now, that's a creative outlet for you. So the creativity doesn't go away. If you're using that to express beauty or share ideas, where are those ideas going right now? Okay, so now that brings up kind of like, so, you know, for the past five years, people have known me for working in the church realm and the spectrum. It's been great, but in 2020, everything shifted. And so I ended up working on a movie studio a lot now. And so now I'm walking with people who some of which are fond of the church. Other people don't really care about the church. Other people don't like the church. All of which you're making these relationships, talking to these people, you're creating art together, no matter what you think, believe, or or do. It really was a place that kind of awakens you again and says, okay, man, these people really value authenticity. And when I say these people, they're just like us, like people value authenticity. And so it really just made me stop and say, 
uh, I think you can be challenged to do even more, you know, and that's the beauty of these type of places. And by saying that, I mean, Trill Studios here in Atlanta. And so it really challenged me to say, you know what, are you being as honest? Are you being, is, is a story you're telling truly your story or pieces of it? So. Well, and let, let's jump back to that because in the intro, I'm probably going to say you have one of those resumes that sounds almost made up. There's so many different <laughs> facets of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like rapper, public speaker, leader, artist. So yeah. you're working at a movie studio. It's a movie yeah. studio in Atlanta, which is kind of on the forefront of a lot of movie studios moving there, developing yeah. things. You've got Stranger Things, The Walking mm-hmm. Dead, all these things that are kind of in the pipeline have really blown up. How did you get connected to the movie studio? How do you make that pivot? Come on, man. Isn't that crazy? Like I was, so two years ago, I'm hanging with some friends and New Year's, the ball drops and every time I'm like, you got to make a bold, crazy. And so I'm known as like a guy that goes around and talks about Jesus. And I'm like, man, I went to college for for uh, electronic media production and theater. Those are my two things. I always wanted to be like a director, got scared at the last second, chickened out. And so I was like, you know what? I want to go back to my first love. And that is like storytelling. But I said movies, but now we would say yeah. storytelling. It's meta. It's more meta. <laughs> and then in California, I'm out teaching and I, I bump into a guy that is uh, pretty key and integral here at the studios. We start chatting. He's like, let's just bring you down and show you around. And when I'm going around, I just start commenting, kind of doing what I do. And that is, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Well, why don't you guys think about this? And why, don't, why doesn't there a place that doesn't just care about what we create, but also about the creatives who created it? And so once we, that leads to more conversations, which leads to a podcast, I'm doing it, do that for about six months. And that's really when the studio began to say, these creatives that are here are going to this podcast because really, yes, for the live recording, but also for the networking and community that they have. And then they're beginning to make relationships. And that's, I think, when the studio placed priority on saying, we need someone who's a director of experience. And what is the trail of experience? And that's thankfully what I was asked to lead. So it didn't exist. So Because that's an interesting idea. Like you talk about goals. Sometimes you go, I want to apply for a job, but it doesn't exist. And you go, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of jobs you have to create before they ah, exist. Come on now. And that's, that's what happened in this situation. Yup. It's being bold enough to see what's not there. And yeah, which is entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. What was the name of the podcast? Uh, so Studio Gathering. It's a Studio Gathering podcast. Yep. How is this different than another podcast? You know, because it sounds like it got some momentum in a different way. What was interesting is it was the equipment they had was pretty janky. I can't even lie. It wasn't like the best equipment. So a lot of times I was like, ah, these first few episodes didn't love it. But the room felt great because it was a live audience we would do it with. Mm-hmm. So the room felt great. And the hang after the podcast was better than the podcast. Uh, and so it made us take a pause and say, OK, if we were going to do this, let's do it right. And so we're in the process of, of looking at it again and launching it in a way that's a little more appropriate for for the excellence level that Trill would expect. I love the hang after. Do you yeah. see other parts of your life where you go in thinking this is going to be the thing and then it's the hang after or the hang before that ends up being the thing? Yeah, yeah. What if somebody once told me, they said, someone's going to hire the person they want to hang out with at 3 a.m. in the morning. That was, a, yep. that was they said, that's the easiest way. But I really think that it more or less is saying, like, are you someone that I trust? That's a witty way of saying, do I trust you? Do I enjoy your company? But more importantly, there's so many ways you can learn something, but there's not a lot of ways you can authentically connect with someone. And so you're right. The hang after, it ends up having way more value to your heart 
And then just another tidbit of information for your head. So yeah, I've definitely realized in, in design, as you know, before this, I had to defense company. So that's why I've been working with a lot of conferences. But yes, I would say in designing conference after conference, gathering after gathering for from business to whatever, it was very clear this next generation does value uh, time to just authentically connect. And they're not getting it right now. That's the mm-hmm. that's the challenge with kind of the current state of the world. I would say that it was the hang after the hang before where we really got to connect um, both at camps and touring yeah. with Orange. And in one of those car rides, because we would do the thing like a lot of events were like, hey, we got four speakers coming in. Like, let's make yeah. them all get into a Kia Sportage <laughs> together and then they can ride to the hotel together. And so <laughs> it creates this community. But I started to talk to you about your goals and it was in the fall. So it was kind of tail end of the year. That's when we were traveling together. And you had a really specific, deliberate, thoughtful, life-giving way to kind of think through your goals. Like imagine somebody's listening to this and and maybe they didn't set some New Year's resolutions. Maybe they never have. Maybe they've never set goals, but they want to go, okay, I want to kind of reevaluate some things. How do you reevaluate the year you just went through and the year you're headed toward? It's grown over the years. It used to be simple, but here's it in three buckets. October now, (laughs) October is my personal reflection. So it's like, who was I to my friends, to my family? Uh, So my buckets are personal and professional. And then who do I want to be my future? So my first bucket is personal. So I'm like, who was I as a man to my friends? And I mean, I go through it. I would say for a lot of years, that was a hard one for me because I always felt like I wanted to be the best kind of friend I could be, uh, the most intentional kind of brother, son. And then comes professionally. Okay, who I am professional? Am I getting out of my comfort zone? That's November. Hard. Anyone that works for me knows like November, Joe's going to be quiet, very introspective. And then comes December. And December is when I say, okay, now that you've learned everything from October to November, it's time to figure out who you want to be. And so December is all making my plan for January, which is why you'll see that uh, such a big action step at the very end of December before going into 2021. Billy, the whole grid, it's time for us to start it. But that comes after some reflection, uh, October and November, and then comes a month of planning as to, okay, so how do you grow? How do you do better? How do you never stop learning and growing? And that's December. So are you, from a specific practical approach, is this a notebook you're using? Are you carrying over questions from the year before that you're always like, it's good to ask this question? Are you asking other people? Like, are you sitting down with friends and going, hey, here's how I thought. What did you see? Like, walk me through some of that. Yeah, if it's a conversation that needs to be had, a lot of it is me sitting down with a blank page. And I just learned that for me, plus a blank page is where magic happens. And so even if I were to sit down right now and say, John and me, how do I think I could be a better friend to John? What I'm going to put on that page uh, to me is my truest self. And I don't know why it's harder for me to do that verbally if we were to just sit at a coffee shop and try and talk. But it's like after that coffee shop, if I write about it, it just comes alive in a way I'm able to kind of look at it outside myself. And so it really is a lot of me writing to myself in the personal and professional. And it's funny, like, especially when you write for staff, you start writing about them and then they come alive and just, uh, I'm pretty nostalgic and sentimental, so that's probably why that happens. But when you start writing about them, you see them differently. And then when you see them differently, you talk to them differently. And so it's a lot of just writing. You're doing this process. You're using paper, pen, computer. And then it transitions from reflection, personal, professional to what, you know, where's the step where or how do you grind all that reflection into here's a practical thing I'm going to do this year? Like, are you doing number based? Is it like I'm going to try to like one of my goals is I want to run with my buddy Ruben 26 times this year. We run (laughs) on Sundays 
And like, it's a great moment yeah. for us to connect. We talk and I know we're not going to do it every Sunday. Cause that's, that's mm-hmm. not reasonable. Cause he's got four kids. I got two kids. Like it's not happening. Yeah. How are you turning all that into trackable cross off a listable ideas? Yeah. So it's one, one and one. So I'd say one track, I guess, so to say trackable. And so personal, I'll say, Hey, you know what? Personally, I want to do better at texting back because I'm the worst. <laughs> so that was the smart personal site. Like, the one thing that seems consistent through all these texting. So, and then professionally, I want to be more confident in my decision-making for creativity and, and less stop overthinking things and, and worrying so much. And then one dream, I always put that on a dream, which right now I think I'm still trying to format exactly what I want that dream to be. But yeah, so that's trackable. And then there's the hundred more personalized ones that have to do with each person. But those aren't as much like the defined ones as far as like, boom, boom, boom. Those are more next time I see you, I remember everything I wrote. So now I'm going to talk to you different and, and probably tell you some of the things I now see. Yeah, here's something I was reflecting about. Here's, yeah. you know, here's something I care about. Mm-hmm. What was a goal that you felt really good about accomplishing in the last two years? Because 2020 was a weird year, but like in the last was. two years when you're like, oh, I really worked on this thing and I did this thing and it and it worked. Yeah, being present. I mean, I think that started. Naturally, I'll always go future. I mean, if you let me run my truest self, I'm like, I'm not even going to really pay attention to the present, less known the past. It's like, what's ahead? What what new exciting idea? And so, yeah, I would say being present in these last two years, uh, I have put so many things in place to make sure I stop and reflect, which is kind of what you're seeing. Several different ways to stop and reflect, and a lot of the end of the year. Is because I'm so future forward. I'll never look back over a year. I mean, if I didn't intentionally have this system at the end, I would keep running into a new year talking about forward, 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 and never really be able to give appreciation to everything I've done. And that just came off of having conversations with people where you're telling them, man, hey, you remember when you told me this? Look at this. Hey, you remember when you told me you were going to do this? Look, look. And then they're like, wow, I didn't notice it. And then I'm like, man, I don't even do that. Like, how come I don't do what I do for others? And so it's more or less like, Hey, be present and notice what's happening right here, right now. Are you good at celebrating? No. Like, cause a lot of high performing people, they're onto the next thing and somebody go, that was amazing. You're like, oh, was it? That was, that was yesterday. That was like a year ago. <laughs> Are you good at celebrating milestones? Real talk, I want to lie right now and be like, man, I'm so good. I celebrate, but I know all my friends and, and, and work, people who work for me love you. So I know they're going to listen to this <laughs> <laughs> and they will call me out and say, yeah. we have told you over and over, you don't celebrate. And I'm like, you're totally right. It is because you're right. I, it is hard and, and not to sound cocky because it's not at all. When someone's like, did you think that this would happen? I'll be like, yeah, remember that I always explain like this. Uh, when I first base is my celebration and I, and I have to tell staff this every time they work with me and I'm like, most people celebrate when they get there at home plate. I celebrate when I see it on first base. And so when I see something, you'll, I'll run around the office. I mean, I'm running like, oh, do you see this? Do you see this idea? In that moment, I see it all. I mean, I see everything. And then, so by time, five months later, when we're there and we're doing it, that is a five month old vision. And so when people are like, man, isn't this awesome? I'm like, right, but well, yeah, I already did my celebration. And, and I tell them, it's not that I don't celebrate, it's that I celebrate on a different base than you do. I celebrate on first base. So I've had to learn to also celebrate on home base for those who work alongside me. So that's good because some projects, I mean, if you release a book, it's a two year process. So if you yeah. celebrated getting the manuscript accepted and it doesn't come out for a year, then you, you know, like, 
the home plate is a long way from first base. And you <laughs> Which is why you have books and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's why your book finished was so important. There you go, right? It gave me a lot of keys because I so said, oh, I, think I think I need to carry you so your background you're you're a goal guy did you yeah. learn that from your parents is that something that you would say you know what i saw my mom do this i saw my dad do this like where did this come from Man, an appreciation of goals because it's not it's not natural i don't know if it's yeah. natural i think some people are probably natural that way but i think mm-hmm. a lot of people learn it and then they're like oh yeah i just got me a roadmap i'm gonna use this roadmap going forward how did it happen for you yeah, no, I mean, I wish my dad was more present, but he wasn't present much after the second grade. My mom was definitely someone who was a goal setter, but she wasn't a dreamer. My mom was like, now she'll knock it out. Like everything she says she's going to do in a week, she's going to knock it all out. I don't know how she had capacity, but I was someone who has a little tight. I was like, I'm getting out of Akron, Ohio. I know one thing's true. I got to get out of this city. And so from there, Everyone will be like, okay, what are you going to do? And uh, I got tired of looking stupid. And so then you got to figure out what you want to do. And then, okay, so then I had some really great uh, leaders and men in my life who would then say, well, how are you going to get there? What's what's your first step? And I feel like they didn't as much teach me goals as much as tangible action steps. And once I saw that and realized, okay, this is all it takes, one step, one step at a time. Uh, I think I just naturally was like, I got to make a move. I got to make a move. And I'm naturally pretty, I'm pretty ambitious and adventurous to be like, jump, just jump. Like, uh, never really had that qualm. So I think once I see it, it's like, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go right now. So, yep. When did you first think I got to get out of Akron? And that's not an insult to Akron, but like, not at all. there's people listening right now that have a, I got to do blank. I got to launch this. I got to like, when did you start to first get that feeling? What age? I would say right around middle school for real. I mean, cause when you're a kid, kid, I'm just trying to figure out. And, and so for those who don't really know my story, I was bullied a lot as a, as a child. So I didn't have friends all the way till 12th grade. And so I think a lot of it was just my form of escapism of just saying, I got to get this city doesn't understand me and a bigger city will. And so I would say it probably was pretty skewed as a kid. And you don't know any better. You're just like, when when I get out of here. But I would say as I got towards college, I really was like, I want to go to a place where uh, it was such a blue collar town. And I love that so much now. Like, I'm like, man, now I get why Akron, I am who I am because of the pace and the kind of people that Akron uh, had all around me. But it was harder to dream. I think dreaming was something that was a luxury in Akron and much different than a larger city. And so if you're a kid or someone in a small town and you're thinking, I got to get out, that's an awesome thought, but it's putting those action steps to it and then really realizing you're going to look back like Laney's new album. He's like love in Oklahoma now, even though he went to L.A., you'll get to a larger city and then appreciate the foundation that a smaller city uh, teaches you. And so I'm like, I'm so grateful for Akron now. And your story, because I know it. I, me- I remember we had lunch at the Austin airport, me, you, and yeah. our friend Amy. And the Austin airport, that their food bangs. Like, it's good. Like, it's <laughs> actually, I know you're Runs like, off. oh, you ate in an airport. Why do you hate Sojo? Like, it's, it was good. <laughs> it was good food. It but was. we talked about your family scenario. Um, you mentioned it briefly a minute ago about your dad, because I'd love to hear you riff on that a little bit, because I think a lot of times people get to 20s, 30s, 40s, and they go, I can't start a business because my dad never taught me how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, be this because I didn't have a family structure. And they might look at a guy like you and go, 
Sojo must have had two parents that pulled him mm-hmm. back like a slingshot and launched him on a foundation. And his dad taught him how to throw a spiral football in the 11th grade and how to shave and put on a tie. And, and I know that's not your background, but mm-hmm. what would you, you know, explain your family dynamic. And then if you had a minute to talk to somebody who said, I didn't have a dad, what you mm-hmm. would say to encourage them? I mean, I, I would say that from a young age, I always loved the movies that had the the underdog, the kid with the broke, the orphan. We all love the stories when we watch a movie, right? And you're like, oh, the orphan kid had the resilience to keep going. And I really think I believed it. I was just crazy enough to say, okay, so although there's a hundred wounds you don't know you have when you don't have a dad uh, that probably don't begin appearing until your twenties and thirties. There's a lot of people right now who are probably like, yup. Uh, and you begin to say like, why did I react like that? Why did I, why am I so guarded in certain ways? There's also this fortitude that you're forced to have that really you can give thanks for uh, down the road. And so, yeah, I think it was one of those things that I look at now and I say, especially when I get around an extremely healthy family. I mean, I'm around a lot of great families where I'm watching like little kids with their dads. And I'm like, wow, that is an awesome picture uh, that I never got to experience. However, what I did experience was a lot of men at my church specifically who which is really, it took a village is what they would say. And so really I had some great mentors who poured into me. More importantly, I think I chose my friends wisely and I understood like, if I don't have a dad, I need to be really, really strategic with the kind of friends that I know are going to push me and challenge me and not just be yes men. And to this day, I'm still the same way. I'm like, hey, I'm as serious about my friendships because of the fact that I understood that the kind of friends I chose at a young age really, truly did get offer perspectives I never could have had by myself. How do you think you put yourself in a position for mentors to help you? Because I think you can be mentor resistant and and go mm-hmm. like, oh, I just want wisdom. And then you've got like 50 walls and nobody can even get in. How did you as a young man, as a current man, because I know right now yeah. there's wise leaders speaking into you. You know, if your goal was, I want to have a mentor, I want to get more wisdom from somebody who's further down the road. How do you mm-hmm. put yourself in that position? Man, I feel like I'm naturally wired to choose the trust. Like I do think I'm going to trust every single person that walks in the room until proven otherwise. But when it came to mentors, I just think you got to trust your gut in a lot of ways. And there's there's sometimes like someone will just start talking. For example, the first time you and me hang out, John, I mean, all I know about you is, you know, you're a funny guy. You're a funny guy and clean cut and you're on a bunch of stages. So I'm like, you're more of a caricature than a, than a real guy. And it wasn't until you like opened up and it sounds so whimsical, but I'm like, you can see in someone's eyes, you can, you can genuinely see authenticity and feel it. And when you feel it, you now have a decision. Do I want to pretend or do I want to be the real me? And so I feel like I've always understood that in the moment you, you feel the movie beginning, uh, which is a scene between two people. It's like, you're either in that scene present or you're going to end up putting a mask on and, and, and pushing people away. And so I think basically going back to your original point, for me, the greatest gift I have as an adult now is understanding that there's a story that happens in every single person's head. And I have more control over my story than anyone else. And I tell this to a lot of kids from the hood because I'm like, it's going to be easy to try and blame anyone else for your story. And some of that's legit. Like some of it is like I'm facing hardship because of some obstacles that have been placed in my way that are pressing uh, against me uh, and wearing me out. But 
even after that, you still have more power over your story than you can ever even imagine. And the more you see it, which is stuff that the men would tell me growing up, the more you understand what you can do. And they, and they would shove me and be like, hey, you have it. You have it. And I'm thinking like, do I have it? And, and sure enough, I began to see it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe I do have it. And to this day, it doesn't matter if I'm calling someone on lunch break and I'm like, I got to tell you a situation because I'm tempted to write a story in my head. Here's what's happening. They're like, you did write some of the stories. Like, hey, don't, don't. Like, right now, this is all that there is. All the rest of that is fiction. And so I do think always keeping hold of the story, taking every thought captive is what the Bible yeah. would have said. Which is why I called you. I mean, I called you when I was writing my book about overthinking, about, yeah. you know, the title soundtracks. And we talked about, you know, use the word story. I'd use the word soundtrack on what's yeah. the soundtrack playing right now in this situation? What is it a true soundtrack? Is it kind? Is it the one you want playing? I loved getting to connect with you about that idea because it was super helpful. And I think it's interesting when I ask you questions, you're quick to call up a story or an idea. I'm curious, do you have an idea capture system? So what I mean by that is you bump into, you know, it used to be on Instagram, you'd share something, but like you hear a story, you learn something, a leader speaks into you, something good, some new idea blossoms. Where does that idea go? Does it mm-hmm. go into a notebook? Does it go into Evernote? Does it go on the wall? Like, yeah. I want to know, like, they used to do that cartoon where like how a bill becomes part of the constitution. Like walk me from idea to like, it's actually executed and it lives and breathes in the world. Evernote built my career. Uh, <laughs> That's the tweet. That's the tweet. <laughs> Evernote built that thing. The, no, the notebooks allowed me to be able to capture an idea, but I did not want something. I'm definitely an app guy. So I'm like, there's a new app called Things. And so as soon as I think an idea, what I love about it is I'm able to capture the idea and then start adding all my to-do things. And so I was noticing, and the reason why I went to Things over Evernote is because it is more of a task management app. And I'm fast to dream. Like literally today, I could be thinking, I could be walking. I'm like, man, you know, it'd be cool here if we like did like a lemonade idea here. And I'll throw it down. Then I realize I got 13 other ideas in front of it. And so I realized, let me shift and go towards, I capture an idea. And now as soon as I capture it, I give myself 30 minutes to put two action steps uh, behind it. And if after those two action steps, it doesn't feel like it's tangible, I let it go. I delete, I delete it. And I, and you I delete it. it. You don't even, you don't keep it. You mm-hmm. don't keep it. I think that's mm-hmm. key because you can keep a lot of old ideas that get in the way of the good ones. Yeah. But you told me that. You clear it out. We were chatting and you were like, there's like beer ideas and wine. Oh, yeah, and wine I remember ideas. you said it. Yeah. And I said, dang, I think I got a bunch of beer ideas. Yeah. You got a lot of natty light seltzer up in there. Yeah. <laughs> And so I remember when I got I, I got done talking, I thought like, man, I got to start figuring out which ones are my beer, which ones are my wine. And that's when I decided to shift my app. And that's how Evernote that's lost so me as a customer. That's so fun. That's when you move to things. That, I love that. Things. I love yeah. that. There's no such thing as an average day, but walk me through your ideal day. So an ideal uh, day. Oh, an ideal day is... Um, and it's a work day. I didn't, you know, Saturday, if it's Saturday and you're like, I just sleep in all day, like, that's not that interesting. And it's an <laughs> ideal work day where like, you're a peak performance, your peak connection, mm-hmm. like all that. Anytime you can hand me a dream, if it's your dream and I can help you see it even clearly or even help figure out how to make sense of it, that's going to be an ideal day. It's the one thing I think I realized when I said, what do you put on this planet to do? I said, you can get paid for this. It doesn't matter if you're on a, uh, working or on an off day, you're hanging out with somebody around a fire pit, like you're going to eventually get to their dream. 
and you're eventually going to say, hey, man, what do you think about this? And, and I think I absolutely love the opportunity to handle someone's dream with care, which is what I get to do on a daily basis now as we, as we build an entire town and continue to work with people's movies. You know, they bring an idea in, they bring a, a shot that they want to do and say, we want to do gelato. And from that moment on, it's like, how do we want to create an experience around gelato? And I think being able to say, I don't think, I don't think you're daring the dream enough. I think you can go even more. And when that starts awakening in people, it's crazy how people almost need permission to just be wild and dream fully. And so I get to do that on a daily basis. Like, why do you think they don't know that they have permission? Man, ain't that crazy? I was with Bob Goff in his Dream Big camp, and I remember listening to people. And, I, you know, I don't have any kids, so, you know, for me, my dream is like what I do to pass time, because you know, otherwise I'm kind of going crazy probably. But I never thought about the fact that a mother could say, uh, I've dreamed about my kids for the last 10 years, and I've got a great home. My kids are doing really good. I feel guilty to think that I can now, I should be able to dream for myself after I've been blessed with so much. And I remember they said it, and I thought, wow, it's such an interesting perspective to say, I almost feel guilty to dream. Um, and then there's obviously the ones that are just too afraid to fail. And so they're like, let me just dream with in moderation. But for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, dream for the kids. Uh, dream for yourself, dream for your husband, dream for your neighbor, dream for the dog. I'm like, come on now, there's never enough dreams. And then what do you do about them? And so, but I do think it taught me a lot. I think it really, it really showed me that I said, there's real life situations where people are just like, Dreaming is a luxury, and uh, I'd rather deal in reality. I'd rather deal in dreams and then change reality. And so oh. I think once I understood that about myself, I said, okay, well, then I guess I'll be, I'll be one of those. I'll be one of these guys who are, who are more going to always be like, ah, let's get back to the clouds. Let's make it bigger. Let's yeah. make it bigger. Well, one yeah. thing I know that you love, I mean, talking about dreams, talking about passions, is it fair to say you're a sneakerhead? <laughs> Okay. One I, could one could say, sure. Yeah, one could say you love sneakers. And I love that about you. Like that's one of the things that I really enjoy about you. Cause when we get to do events, I, I'm essentially like Joan Rivers, rest in peace. Oh, She's up there criticizing Jesus' clothes right now. <laughs> one of the things I would say, what are you wearing? What are those? What are those? What are those? Uh, yeah. So how many and this is hey, there's no judgment. This is no, no like, no. oh, I can't believe he owns this. Come like on. I think people have a hard time with success. I think, Come especially on. in certain circles, they get real shy about enjoying good things. We have mm -hmm. an enjoyment problem, I think, in a lot of circles where we can't admit Come we on. enjoy something and then ball out with it. Yeah. But you go all in on shoes. And I love you that. Love How shoes. many pairs of sneakers right now do you own? I'd say I'm probably at about 50 pairs of sneakers. Uh, how about 45 sneakers? Because that does not include like boots, dress shoes, you yeah, know, yeah, casual. Yeah. So sure. I'm, I would say 45 sneakers. I've done a couple purges over the last few years. And here's people who know about sneakers now. You might buy them at 200, but you can flip them for 700. They're investments if you know what you're doing. And have so you fl how many flips have you done? Man. I've got a couple I'm holding on to that I think are going to quadruple in value, but I would say I've probably done, I mean, double digit flips. I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a sneaker salesman. There are people who right, sell right, up right. in the trunk of the car, but I'm like, I've gotten a nice amount of flips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not MC mm -hmm. Hammer selling his first album. The problem is my friends be broke. And so they be having to just give them discounts and I need no, rich friends. No, you need, <laughs> no, that's not, you can't flip <laughs> something to somebody who doesn't have the money. That's what I'm saying. That's that's, the problem is work. I'm too nice. I'm too nice. That's what how I'm many pairs of Jordans? 50, 45 pairs of shoes. How many Jordans? 
Uh, ooh, Jordans are probably about, there's probably about eight, nine pairs. So I grew up in Akron, Ohio, LeBron James. So what is he on? Sneaker 18 now? He's on 18. And so I've got every pair. I get each pair of LeBrons that come out. So we could so One pair right or two pairs? Are you doing one the pair. wear and keep? Just one pair? Whatever the first LeBron that comes out, because you know he, he does like he does like ten versions of, of each shoe. And so I get the first version of the 18s, the first version of the 17. And so yeah, the first versions of all the LeBrons. And so that's where I bought a good chunk of my shoes come in. And then yeah, and then I'm a little bit so my, when I really calculate it might be a bit more. I don't know. I can really I have to go in there and count the boxes now. I don't know. Where do you keep, keep them? Are they all in your apartment? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because when I look at the apartments, I'm like, you know, I got the loft more space than I ever need, but I do ju- I judge hard on a closet. I'm like, I need to see the closet space. Just make they sure probably it's don't up. even show so, you at first. They probably like, don't no. worry about the closet. You're like, hold up, pump the no, brakes. Look at these vaulted ceilings, this balcony. Like, I'm yeah, not stacking I get shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so give me to the closet. Give me to the closet. Okay, okay. This is an option. Now we can go back and check everything else. Yeah, they go up. They go up to the. They, you know, I'm six three with a great wingspan, so I can get up there. You, I can stack them high. You know, this ain't for the short kids. I could probably own like I could only own like seven pairs of shoes. It sounds like depending <laughs> on how high this stack is. What uh, what's the craziest thing you've done to get a pair? And I mean, like I stayed up till three a.m. for a drop. I went, you know, I waited outside. I camped outside in College Park. Like, what's the thing you've done? We were like, oh man, that man. was my most sneakerhead moment. I would just say I'm re- I'm really good at knowing how to get there by, uh, on an app uh, nowadays, but uh, to get to the store. I, so in Akron, I had a bunch of connects. So I would have people sure. at the Foot Locker. They would hold, sneak and hold it. So I was like, it's relationships. It's how you love others that, that show you to give love back. So <laughs> I never had to do. <laughs> I say it's networking. It's like you got to play to your gifts. And I'm like, value uh, people. And they're going to be like, Joe, I got you on size 12. And I say, I'm on my way. That's Always. funny. Okay there's a fire you can only grab one pair of shoe sneakers oh, like man. what are you running out with oh man this is the off whites isn't that know. what they're called i do have some off whites you know i've got i've got the dior uh, jordan ones that came out and so i would say i probably based on a true sneaker i would know you need to grab those dior jordan ones and so <laughs> see i think there's like seven people that are going to hear this and be like awesome nice i think a lot of people will be like <laughs> Stop talking about sneakers, Why are they talking about this so long? Well, the reason I'm talking about it is I do think a hobby is part of a goal. Like, I think a hobby is, like, just a goal with more joy on it. So, for me, Mm -hmm. like, I don't separate. There's Sojo over here doing all his goals, and then he's got a hobby. I think it's all one person, one idea, one approach. And I think that high-performance goal people don't have enough hobbies. I'm always shocked when I ask somebody, hey, what are your hobbies? And they go, Oh, I'm too busy for hobbies. And they say it like they're bragging. I think, oh, that is like, that's one step closer to burnout. Like if you can't give yourself a hobby, what are your other hobbies other than sneakers? Other than sneakers. Oh, geez. My problem is I have too many. There's nothing I don't think could be my hobby. You know me. I'm Uh, like, like, I am the guy. But I would say I definitely love food. Now that I'm down here in Fayetteville where there's all this land, uh, I've gotten really comfortable yeah, getting out off off roading. Love travel. I think travel is probably my number one hobby. Uh, just getting out, and I'm I'm a documentary nerd, like nerd nerd. Like a lot of people, somebody asked me, I said, put it like this. They say if you had to delete Netflix versus YouTube, I'm like, I would never delete YouTube because it has so many little documentaries that are like ten minutes, the fifteen, and I'm like, and I watch probably a documentary a day. I mean, I'm a I'm a history junkie. 
I think that's a fun mix because you said three very different things. Documentaries, off-roading in Fayetteville, and being a sneakerhead. And usually, like, the Venn diagram of that human is pretty narrow. Like, very rarely somebody like, I love my off-whites, and I love my (laughs) off-roading. Like, those are my (laughs) two. I got the Dior's, and I got the duck boots. One of them is like, I'm exploring, and one of them I pre Like, this is a new hot one. Okay, off-roading, let's fucking get in this thing. Okay, this is a bit crazy. I don't know if it's going to last for more than a year, but we're going to do it. I'm going to try it. Did you, do you have an off-roading vehicle or are you going with friends? Uh, no. So I got a truck, but now they, 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 everyone's got them four wheelers. And so I'm like, okay, we got the four wheelers and, um, there's so many little devices. I mean, uh, little vehicles that everyone's hopping in. So I've really learned to, uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> okay. I, I love that. I love that. Last two questions. Top five rappers of all time. Oh my gosh. If you want to do top three, top three, I'll top save three. you some time. Okay, Jay-Z's hands down my favorite rapper of all time. I'm going to say, I got, I'll give it up to Drake. I will say consistency. I have to give yeah. it to Drake. He's yeah. been consistent for over a decade now. <sighs> Kanye's last couple albums were like, ah. But I mean, it's, it's just his first, that catalog when he was in his prime that I still don't think can be like touched. Graduation? So, graduation, college dropout, my beautiful dark. I mean, it's just yeah. like he was, he was on another level. And so... Yeah, I'll give it to those three for now. Okay. There's so many great rappers. Best Nelly. rapper, Nelly. <laughs> With the St. Lunatics? <laughs> Not a lot of people mad. remember the St. Lunatics. I should have offended everyone and just said, like, Nelly, uh, you know. Yeah, the, Cisco. Cisco yeah. when he broke off from Drew Hill. <laughs> and like Nelly Furtado on verse three, like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nelly when she was with Timbaland. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best rapper to come out of Atlanta of all time? Oh, Andre 3000. Yeah. It's a blowout, right? Oh, there's no doubt. Andre 3000. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Different, different level. Okay. Last question. Where can people find you? Because I think people want to know, you're going to start posting again. I've checked your blog. Like we're waiting. Um, Where, you know, where can people find you? Yeah, some exciting, it's a lot of exciting adventures ahead here at Trilla. Um, so you can find me at Joseph Sojourner, and that's everything. So that's going to be josephsojourner.com, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and trying to determine if I want to jump into this TikTok world. But yeah, Joseph Sojourner, on all those all those platforms that you will be able to find me, and let's run and have some fun. So you're not on TikTok yet? I'm not on TikTok. I mean, I have a page, but it's like, do I really want to yeah. do this? It just feels like a, I got to learn a lot of dances. And that just, I don't know if I have that amount of time right now for the dances. And I'm also a 45 year old dad. So I don't see a single way I can do it without looking like I should be in jeans and white New Balances as a 45 year old <laughs> dad. Like I see no way around that, that reality. 100%. <laughs> At least you're cool. Like if we're hanging out together, people would be like, man, that's so Joe is cool. And they, they say that John is funny. And those are different. <laughs> those are different oh, words. <laughs> I feel like funny plays well. I just don't know. I just like I just got to figure out what I even want to do. It's like what? How does this? What is this? What's the point of this? I only got how much time, and then I got to. So it's like I got to just think about hey, when you're on a day when you're doing all these things in the day. You got to think like, okay, what do I want to do on TikTok? I can't like capture something to show it because it's not that kind of app. So you got to know. You got to. You got to do something on this thing. And it's like, okay, what? Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Again, or like Clubhouse. People are getting on Clubhouse right now. I'm like, yep. am I supposed to be on Clubhouse? So yeah, it's I always know. interesting what comes out, what comes out new. But dude, this I was know. a blast. I really appreciate you doing it with me. It's always fun to travel with you. I hope we get back on the road here. And this Can't is wait. this will be the first person I got to ask about sneaker collections on the, on Come the on. podcast. Come on, hopefully many more. 
Well, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll just start out. That'll be one of my regular rapid fire questions like people mm-hmm. do at the end. And they'll just people will be like, I don't own that many shoes. I'll be like, but how many? And then I'll, and then I'll say, <laughs> which is your favorite pair? And they'll be like, they're just all shoes. And I'll go, oh, that's right. Because okay. the average person isn't going to care about their shoes. No, sneakerhead, though, they're not. He's going to say, I got the LeBrons from 1 to 18 right now. They're not going to say that, probably. Which I respect. The Dior's. Okay, the Dior's. Now, that's probably going to go in the show notes. Like, I'll, maybe I'll get an affiliate link to some sort of stock X. I'll be like, I'm hey. a big fan of Dior's creative designer right now. It's always the story behind the shoe. Like, the, the crafting of the shoe. that You, you got to have a good craft for me to, like, love it. So, that's why. Well, mm-hmm. respect, respect. Well, thanks, Sojo. I really appreciate it, man. I'll let you know when it's up. All right, man. Love you. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by MetaShare. Text John, J-O-N, to 474747 for more information. Huge thank you to MetaShare for sponsoring it. J-O-N to 474747. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.